everyone needs to have a goal and that goal could be, let me make sure I get my 10,000 steps every day and get to the gym three times a week. So it's just these tiny little milestones that you want to accomplish. And I think that those habits will set you on the road for lifelong progress. Welcome to the 10 podcast by Train Like a Gymnast, a podcast for formerly competitive gymnasts, dancers, and cheerleaders to come together as a community to realize their potential. Together, we go farther. My name's Danielle Gray, and I'm the founder of Train Like a Gymnast, here to help you become the best version of yourself physically, mentally, and emotionally. On 10 I sit down with Olympians, Cirque du Soleil artists, former elites and collegiate athletes, stunt performers, and fitness professionals to show you that you're not alone. Want to win a free coaching session from me? If you've loved everything you've heard in this episode or love 10 in general, we want to hear from you, and we may even feature you in a future episode. So all you got to do is go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review, screenshot that review, and then send it to team at trainlikeagymnast.com. That's team at trainlikeagymnast.com to be entered. If you win, we'll contact you to schedule your session. Well, welcome. Today we have Dr. Stacy Morris of the PhysioFix. So if people aren't familiar with who you are or what you do, go ahead and give our listeners a little bit of an introduction about who you are. My name is Stacy Morris. I am a doctor of physical therapy. I work in the Phoenix, Arizona area. I'm on Instagram as the PhysioFix. I started my own business about three years ago. And so I predominantly work with athletes and I work with probably right now 60 to 75% gymnasts. So that's a huge part of my population because I was a gymnast myself. I can relate to the injuries that they are having and like I can speak the lingo so that they can relate really well to me and they feel like they know that I know exactly what they're feeling and what they're going through so I can help give them back to their sports. So that's kind of what I do. I have a big background in sports performance training too. So I do a lot of strength and conditioning with my gymnast, which is something that I wasn't really given as a young gymnast. So I love to incorporate that stuff too into their treatment plans and I work with a lot of people also online, but I love working with people in person. That's kind of my passion. Love it. So why is in-person better for you? Well, you know, you get to develop that connection. When I like talk to people online, you have to like quickly develop rapport and build a relationship so they open up to you and they can begin to to feel comfortable just telling you about all their problems because usually it's not just one or two things. It's, you know, there's a lot of psychological aspects to injuries and stuff like that. So when I'm in person, I can see their demeanor. You know, I can respond to their body language and I just feel like it's so much easier to really get a bigger picture of what's going on when I'm in person with them and I can adapt things on the fly. Right. Same here. Whenever I'm doing a workshop, it's like, I just, just want to put you into the position and just like feel it. It's better in person. So it's really a tough time right now during quarantine. So I guess when you were working in a clinic, you got frustrated with just kind of how the clinic life and clinic world was. So what actually took you from, okay, I'm not enjoying this. I'm going to take off into my own thing. Like, did you know other people who had done it? Did you have any roadmap or were you just going into the unknown? No, at that time, it was kind of new for people to go out on their own. So this was like three years ago. It's a lot more common right now, which is great. Like, I love that people have been able to like see others do it and they feel comfortable doing the same thing. So I feel like I was at the forefront of that. You know, the business model that I wanted to work in was the one-on-one model. And as a physical therapist in a clinic that was a traditional setting, we had 
five patients, six patients an hour, you have 10 minutes with that person. You have five minutes with this person. Like it depends on if they're running behind, if you know how much time you actually get to spend with each person. And I felt like that was ineffective and I was doing a disservice to my patients being able to only work with them for a short limited time based on either insurance or just a huge amount of patients that I had. So I just was so fed up with it. And I was like, you know what? I don't know what I'm going to do, but I can't do this any longer. And I decided that at that moment, honestly, I just was like, I'm done. I'm going to write up my letter of resignation. And I handed it to my boss that same day that I like made this decision up. It was kind of like on this, the fly. I just made the decision and I hadn't started anything. So a lot of people nowadays, they'll start a side hustle first Mm -hmm. and then kind of be able to like build that at the same time, they're still doing their full-time job. I was like, I'm so fed up, I'm done. And then I'm going to figure it out. So I like started to figure it out in the summer. I think it took me about two months to get things up and running from the back end and the business standpoint. And then I just decided to start opening my doors and seeing if people came. Like I was so scared because I didn't know if I was going to have any patients, but it was only a matter of time until, you know, people started coming in and then word of mouth and everything. So it was such a scary decision, but it was the best decision I've ever made. That's awesome. Like a couple things came up for me there. First thing was, okay, you decided to do this and you didn't really have a plan. So would you prefer or like, would you recommend for people who are thinking about it? Should they start a side hustle and then transition or should they just cut it and like burn the boats and make something happen? It really depends on the person. I'm the type of person that I'm an all or nothing. And that's just my personality. So I was all in there. And then when I decided that I was no longer all in, I was all out and I was all in on this business. So for me, it would have been really hard to divide my time because I was giving my all to my patients there that I wouldn't have been able to really get this thing up and running without actually having some time to set aside to do that. And I didn't have that time because I was doing documentation on my own on the weekends that I wasn't getting paid for because I wanted to spend every moment with my patients. So if people are in a setting that allows them a little bit more flexibility and they have that time to set aside, then great. Yeah, go ahead and get things up and running. I feel like that is a better way of doing it so you can get the ball rolling because yeah, it takes about 60 days to get your tax ID number. And I was just like, well, I'm just going to start it now and see how long it takes sort of thing. So it was kind of a figured out as I go process. But if I had the opportunity, I think that doing it kind of as a side hustle at first would probably be a better option. Agreed. Yeah. And then the other question I had from after that was, all right, so you were worried, like, how do patients find me? Like, how are they going to come to me? So did you create some kind of agreement with local gyms in the area or how did you find that 60 to 75% gymnasts coming to you? So when I was working for the other place, I had already started to work with some gymnasts and I had already developed some relationships with some doctors that were gymnasts themselves. And so I kind of had that referral base, but I had a non-compete agreement. So I couldn't pursue anybody. So they had to just find me you know, and some people had heard by word of mouth that I had started my own practice. And so it was only a matter of time before I started getting text messages like, Hey, you know, I know that you're not working there any longer. Where are you? We want to come see you. It doesn't matter where you are. We want to come to you. Oh my God. It was like an amazing feeling to be able to be like, wow, these people, they don't care about the business. They just care about working with me. And so once they were able to find me, then they told, you know, their friends and everyone. And then I just started getting more and more patients. And it's crazy that now I'm working with five gyms in this area. So there's five big level gyms and they, people come from an hour away to come work with me. It's amazing. How can you build something that's 
people drive that far because they want to work with you and there's other therapists around them. It would save them two hours of drive time, but they don't want that. They want you. Exactly. It's that whole specialist effect. So like if you, if you got in a car accident and broke something or had some kind of injury, would you prefer a, a general doctor, like a family medicine, or would you prefer a specialist surgeon who knows exactly how you broke whatever it was? Like you're going to willingly pay more or sacrifice more for someone who knows exactly your problem versus someone who kind of has the high level surgery. So that is exactly you. I love that. So you were a gymnast. Did you do gymnastics there? Like what was your gymnastics background? And can you walk us through what got you into physical therapy? Because I know a lot of a lot of gymnasts or a lot of athletes in general, and that's primarily our, our audience, they're already familiar with the body and how they move. So a lot kind of end up in that field anyway afterwards. Mm -hmm. So what was your experience like gymnastics background levels when you're like, this is the direction I want to go? So I started gymnastics at the age of four. So very young. I started competing like right away. I think I was level eight by the time I was nine years old. You know, I was level 10 by the time I was 12 years old. You know, I did what the elite route and decided that I was burned out at that point, dropped back to level 10, just kind of coasted there. So I think I spent six years level 10 and which was fine. So I did that until I got to college, got recruited, you know, and I went to Illinois state on a full gymnastics scholarship. So I ended up retiring at the age of 22, but yeah, so I did it four to 22 years old, which is 18 years. So 18 years of gymnastics and throughout that time, like you said, injuries, oh man, I didn't have them at first because, you know, I think that things start progressing pretty slowly at first with gymnastics and then they just ramp up quick. So I think the first injury I had, and I remember this very well, is I had Severs disease, some people call it Severs, and I had it in both heels. And I not only had that, but I also broke both heels. So my calcaneus bone, I broke it because I landed short so much on like a front tumbling pass. And I had that when I was, I think I was 12 years old. So that was rough to get back from. That was my first injury. And then after that, I had a wrist problem, a knee problem, little things here and there. No surgeries though, thank goodness at that point. It wasn't until my senior year of high school that I had just committed to my full scholarship. And I was really tired one day. I did my last pass, landed a little bit short, kept twisting, obviously my knee tore. So that was the first surgery I ever got was my senior year in high school. So from that point, you know, I went to a physical therapist and they didn't really know what to do with me. They're like, here, here's some basic exercises. And we hope that these help you get back to your sport. And I was like, I don't feel like I can get back to my sport doing this. But by that time I'd gone back to school or I started with school and then they started progressing me back to gymnastics was able to get back. And I just was like, I want to be that person to be able to get these athletes back to their sports. It doesn't really matter what sport because I love just being with athletes and working with them and their passion kind of carries over to me and it makes me passionate to help them get back too. I knew right then that I wanted to be a physical therapist. So when I enrolled in college, that was my major, you know, it was kinesiology because you couldn't do physical therapy, but I knew that that was going to be my route. So I just kept going and I never looked back since. Love that. Nice. It organically happened due to the experiences that you had. And I think that is what really helps set you apart because some people fall into it maybe for external reasons, but since you have that personal thing, that makes what you do so much more of your purpose. And that's why people come to you because you get it. If you're trying to 
work with somebody who's a swimmer, like you can understand, you can help them. But when it is something that you personally know, people just trust you so much more. So what is the number one issue that you work on with gymnasts that you see in your practice? What's the most common thing that you end up working them on? Definitely low back pain. I mean, I would say that most gymnasts either have it during the sport or after the sport, or they're just feeling stiffness, achiness. Our bodies, even though they seem to be made to do whatever, I don't think that that much repetitive stress to the spine is natural. So they obviously have either a fracture, which breaks my heart, all these 12-year-olds coming in with a low back fracture. I'm like, we have to do better coaching. We have to do better, like making sure that their back isn't taking the stress from these movements because their shoulders and their hips should be opening more when they're doing a back handspring. And instead they're using their entire lumbar spine and then it just eventually gives up. So that's definitely the most common. Sometimes spondies, when your disc gets pushed forward, that's really common in gymnasts too. Any sort of disc problem, degeneration, you think about arthritis. And these girls that come in, they have all these degenerative changes on MRIs and x-rays. And to me, it's not surprising because I know how brutal the sport is on the body. But for most people that don't get it, they're like, wow, these girls are beat up. And I'm like, yeah, but we got to help them because they want to get back to their sports. And that's what they really love to do. And I want to be part of that journey for them. That makes my heart happy. But you feel that connection, like you want to help. You want to be on that journey with them because that's it. It's not just a transactional mm-hmm. job for you. And that totally translates. So for you personally, what is your favorite conditioning exercise that you love to do when you train yourself or training patients? It's so hard to narrow it down to just one, you know, cause like there's so many things I give all the time, but for gymnasts specifically, I love giving them these jerks. So jerk isn't actually an Olympic weightlifting movement where you push the bar overhead and you catch it, but you use your legs to do that movement. So then you have to just stabilize overhead with the weight. For me, it's amazing because that translates so well into handstands and anything that's overhead for them. And so if I can get them to be able to lift more weight and catch it overhead, that's just going to develop their shoulder stability even more. And it translates so well to gymnastics. You can see it time and time again. Now they're able to be more stable in their positions and their lines look really beautiful when they're doing anything. So I like giving gymnasts that, which everyone's like, why are you teaching these kids weightlifting? But I'm like, it's not detrimental to them. It's not dangerous. And it's actually going to help them do their sport even better. They're totally capable of it too. These little kids who are doing weightlifting, that's setting them up for incredible muscle gain and maintenance and just longevity. So your slogan is repair, enhance, prevent. Why are these values important to you? I do the entire spectrum, right? So I don't just fix things. I don't just repair problems, you know, and I don't just do prevention. I also do enhancement. That's the whole sports performance thing. So I like to bridge the gap between the entire spectrum. I do the rehab, I do the enhancement, and then now we focus now on prevention going forward. So I have all that background and I like to use the entire spectrum on patients too. So I take them all the way back to their sport, as opposed to a lot of therapists, they stop short. And so they're not even doing sport specific movements yet. And they're already like, okay, you can go back to gymnastics. They're not ready to go back because you haven't exposed them to anything that they are going to need to do. So that's why I like to do that enhancement portion too, because now I'm going to enhance what they're already doing and get them ready for their sport and even more. That's so true. Yeah. And that's really, I mean, do you work with their coaches as well during this process or is it all just you and the patient? Yeah, I do work with their coaches. Usually their coaches, I mean, they're not really great at responding to things, but I'll send them emails. I'll give them updates and stuff like that. And then I usually write down because a lot of the gyms out here, at least, they want it to actually be written down by a doctor, what their steps are back to their sport. So I'll be like phase one for the first week, they can do this. 
So at least I'm giving them something that they can actually look at and be like, okay, you're in phase one. This is what you can and cannot do. So that's how I've been communicating with them. I offer up my services. If you want me to come in and screen your girls, I feel like there's still this whole stigma about physical therapists coming in. I feel like a lot of coaches don't want us to step on their toes and change things up. And, Mm. you know, gymnastics culture, it's just what is, it's yeah, the things are set in stone and the way it's been is the way it's going to be in the future. So there's still a lot to break into in that regards, because I feel like I could do a lot more on that prevention end if I could get into the gyms and help them structure their training a little bit better or their strength conditioning portion but it's a work in progress. Yeah. So if there are any gym owners or coaches out here and you have the power to help change this culture and prevent and help your athletes, definitely hit up Stacey, talk to her, see how she can help and how you can create better gymnasts that last longer to help yeah. your gym and your, your credibility, your authority, all of that. So I like that you mentioned gymnastics culture. We may, we may touch on it again, but I wanted to kind of dive into self-care here. So I know you are so passionate about your patients and the, and the results that they see, and you give your all, and you're you know, spending your own personal time thinking about them, trying to figure out what you're going to do, doing all of your work. So how do you not let that consume you? Because a lot of trainers fall into the trap of, oh, okay, I'm training my clients, training my clients, training my clients. And the last thing, like for me personally too, when I was working at Equinox, I was like, I don't want to stay here and work out. Like, this is where I work. I don't want to continue to stay here and work out or like have people judge me. I just want to leave work and go to my own thing. So how do you continue to train? Like last night you posted a story that said, don't work a 12 hour day, then get home and forget to work on yourself. What do you do to continue to train yourself? So I used to set a time aside in the middle of my day, usually like noon to 2 p.m. isn't as sought after for appointments. And I used to two days a week set that time aside and be like, this is your workout time. You get to eat lunch, you work out. And if you have those parameters, I'm such a gymnast. Everything in my life is so organized. I was like, okay, I have two hours. They have a two hour window. So I'm going to eat, I'm going to work out, and then it's going to be done. If I, you know, wait around for a second and delay it, then I won't get it done. But if I'm like, you know, I have to, this is the only time I have to do it, then I'll get it done. So I do things like that. Or at the end of the day, I'm like, you know, I did most of my stuff for this specific workout the other day, but I just needed to do a couple more things. It's not going to be a long workout. This is going to be like a 30 minute workout and it's going to be hard, but it's going to be short. Right. So at the end of a 12 hour day, don't plan a two hour workout, you know, sort of thing. So I just like to structure things. So it makes my life a little bit better. So now tomorrow or today I'll do a two hour workout tomorrow. I might do a 30 minute workout. So it really just depends. I used to work out like crazy, like, you know, being a gymnast six days, seven days a week. That was so normal for me to want to work out now that I'm, you know, in my thirties, it's not as high as a priority. But, you know, I have years and years of conditioning built up that I don't have to work out six days a week anymore. I can just really tailor it down to, you know, 45 minute sessions, 30 minute sessions, three to four times a week and maximize that time. You need to always schedule yourself first and make yourself a priority. I agree with that. (laughs) Absolutely. So then what did gymnastics teach you about yourself or life in general? Did gymnastics teach you that you need to schedule and make yourself a priority or is that something you learned later in life? What did the sport teach you and not teach you? Oh man, the sport of gymnastics taught me so many things. How to push yourself when you feel like you're having a bad day, how to be determined and go after your goals how to schedule your life. If you only have 12 hours a day, how are you going to make the most out of those 12 hours? You know, and you just got to figure out ways that not only to prioritize physical health, 
but emotional health, mental health. And I know that's not touched on a lot in gymnastics culture either, but I have a lot of good people around me that would always be like, this sport is mental. And I'm like, yes, it is. But like, no one would really talk about it back then. So I would say that the gymnastics taught me how to now discuss what I'm feeling. You know, you used to tell your coaches that they're like, what's wrong? And you're like, I'm frustrated. I remember saying that over and over and over again. They never asked, why are you frustrated? What are you frustrated about? And now when I talk to these athletes, I'm talking to them and I'm getting deeper. All right, tell me why you're frustrated. What are you feeling? How can I help you? You know, and because that's, that's what gymnastics taught me is that if you keep it all inside, it just bottles up and you just feel way more frustrated and overwhelmed. And then you'll take that into your competitions and your routines and even take it out on your teammates sometimes, right? And your coaches. So it just has taught me a lot about who I am and how to express myself physically, emotionally, all of that. It's interesting because I feel like in gymnastics for me or and also some other people in that gymnastics culture is like you don't talk about your feelings. And you don't even say, I'm frustrated. You're just like, I'm fine. Because then you're the weak link. Oh, that one's frustrated. She's not going to be doing well when the teammates start to, it's just, it depends on where you did gymnastics and the environment. Because there are some that are very toxic environments. And I know Danelle Leva and I talked about this a couple episodes ago. And then there are some that are really, really beneficial. And that's what, where you see the success of those athletes. So it really is just take a look at your environment. And we say it almost every episode take a look at your environment and make it work for you. So why is it important for people to train with a purpose when they're working out, when they're practicing, instead of just going into practice, like as gymnasts or competitive gymnasts, just going in and like listening to what the coach says and just doing it and just executing. Then as adults, just going into the gym, not knowing what you're going to work on, like, oh, I think I'm going to do this today. I think I'm going to do this. Oh, that's taken. Let's do this. Why is it important to go in with a purpose? and get something out of each workout. Yeah, I mean, if you don't have a plan going in, then you don't have a goal, right? At the same time, for gymnastics, your goal is to be able to compete and be the best gymnast you can be, right? And for in the weight room, if you're planning for a competition, obviously that's your goal. But even for like just general health and fitness, you need to go in like, I need to get these things done because this is good for my cardiovascular health. And if I don't do it because the machine is taken, then now your cardiovascular fitness isn't a priority. And now you're not taking care of yourself. And those things could really catch up to you down the road and cause, you know, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, high blood pressure, cholesterol. So it's not just about what you're doing today. It's about what you're doing every day. And you need to make sure that you're meeting those requirements because that's what the health organizations tell us. You need at least two to three days of, you know, cardiovascular every week. You need at least two to three days of strength training every week. So if you don't make it a priority and you don't get it done, then your health is going to be the one that takes the the fall because of it. Absolutely. So what's your advice to people who want to have that sense of purpose again? Because I always say to my clients, when you did gymnastics or when you did your sport, you weren't doing that sport to look a certain way. You were doing it for the performance, for the abilities that your body could do, for what you could do. And people sit with that and they're like, oh yeah, that's true. So how can they get that back where, all right, now you're focusing on what you can do. And then the side effect is how you look and all the aesthetics and how you feel. Everyone needs to have a goal. And that goal could be like, let me make sure I get my 10,000 steps every day and get to the gym three times a week. So it's just these tiny little milestones that you want to accomplish. And I think that those habits 
will set you on the road for lifelong progress. And I mean, it's hard because it depends on each person. Like my goals right now are to compete at a national level in Olympic weightlifting. So that's what I go and train for. But if I don't have a goal, I do find myself going to the gym and be like, let me do this machine for 20 reps and this machine for 20 reps. And then you're like, did I really accomplish anything? So I always tell people if they're just training for general health and well-being, to write down your plan and reach out to somebody and ask them for help. You know, people are here to help you. If you want a personal trainer for a week or two, then reach out to them. At least they can help guide you and help you create a plan that you can stick with and that you like, because if you don't like it, you're not going to stick with it too. So I think that's really important just to make sure that you, you make sure that you're covering all your bases when you create these plans, because you might not realize that you're not even doing any cardio, you know, or you might not be doing any leg strength training. And now you're having a hard time getting up and down stairs. As we age, our muscle mass decreases, our bone density decreases. So the goal shouldn't be aesthetic anymore at that point. It should be joint function and joint health and cardiovascular function. So it does change, but people don't realize it until it's a little bit too late. And then they're already having symptoms. And they're like, oh, I've been neglecting this for 20 years. That's why it's always good to reach out to someone and just make sure that you're doing the right things now to set you up for success in the future. I agree 100%. Don't wait for the symptoms to be like, oh, I should work on this. And that's mm -hmm. something that my friend Jen says is that pain is an alarm system. We should think pain, but we realize, all right, why am I feeling this pain? What has caused me to feel this pain? And then you go back and you change the habit versus putting a band-aid over it. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you agree with that concept? Oh, for sure. Yeah. We use the pain as an alarm analogy all the time, especially when talking to patients about pain, because pain is so complex, but that's how you can like simplify it. So they understand that it's telling you before it's a really big thing and a big problem. And if you start addressing it, then when you first start feeling it, it won't turn into a full blown injury or a problem, you know, and that's hard too to talk to gymnasts about too, because they'll just push through pain. That's just what gymnasts do. And that eventually they have a fracture and you're like, there were steps that preceded that that you neglected to listen to, you know, like those symptoms were there. You just were like, oh, it's soreness, it's fatigue. And if you bring it up to me, then maybe I can help you prevent a fracture from happening sort of thing. Absolutely. We all were told push through the pain, push through the pain. Pain is weakness leaving the body. And then yep. when we're now taught this one, you're like, oh, I should probably listen to my body. But then comes in the, oh, well, then you're not going to get as strong because you're not but then you are technically because you're not going to have to deal with a potential injury. So yeah. it's, it's understanding the consequences of pushing through that pain. Yes, you'll probably be able to please your coach, but you might be risking something that is really, really important to you. So just remember to listen to your body, communicate with your coach, and maybe get the help of somebody else who can vouch for you, maybe like a physical therapist or something like that, who, who says, yes, you need to step back and not be so much of a people pleaser to, to your coach or anything like that, your teammates, but really respect your body because it's the only one you have for the rest of your life. So if people have absolutely loved everything that you've talked about, your philosophy, your values, your training, how can people work with you, maybe if they're not in Phoenix, but love your style? So I have like an online scheduling link in my bio on my Instagram. So if you go to the bio, it'll say schedule an online appointment with me. And that's just a form that you can fill out. Tell me like what's going on, what you want to work on, what time zone you live in, because this is big for scheduling, you know, appointments. People schedule with me from all across the world. So I have to constantly figure out 
What time is it where you live? What do I have available? So just, you know, reach out to me or you can send me an email too to get in contact that way. Those are usually best. If you direct message me on Instagram, it does get lost. So definitely either email or send your information in that link. Perfect. And then the last question we ask everybody is what does it mean to you to train like a gymnast? It means to push yourself every day to become the best version of yourself. That's funny because we get that answer a lot. So there must be something underlying in, <laughs> in gymnastics training where that is what is drilled into our heads. It's just being the best, people, being a better, yeah, always going like 1% more. I love it. That was a lot of information. Is there anything that you feel like you want to talk about that our listeners would get value out of? Is there any last word, any parting words or advice or something that's important to you that you think would help others? I would say that if anyone's past the gymnastics age and now you know you're retired and if you're having aches and pains, these are normal, but you don't have to live in pain. So that's why I tell people too, because people don't realize it's not normal to wake up every day in pain. And especially as a gymnast, we did that for so long. And now later on in life, they're like, well, I'm just going to keep going about my day. Like nothing's wrong. But there are ways to work around, you know, pains and aches and stuff. So if you have the ability to reach out to a healthcare professional, I definitely recommend it because you can get out of pain and be out of pain for the rest of your life. You just got to find the right person. So important and so true. Don't accept that. Don't accept the pain as chronic. Just know that there is always hope. There's always possibility. You just have to find it. So I'm, I'm so grateful for you taking the time out of your day to hop on this podcast to help our listeners and for all that you do keep on doing it we at train like a gymnast are really really happy to have you as part of our season three and if you are listening and you want to connect please go to the physio fix on instagram and just like stacy said you can schedule with her or you can email her if you have any specific questions thank you so much mm -hmm.